Thank you for checking out our sermon here at New Grace. We are excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. It is our prayer that it is a blessing to you. We just want to make you aware of a couple things before we get to the message. First, we would love to connect with you. You can find us on Facebook at New Grace BC. Also, be sure to check out our website, reachingroanoke.com. There, you can find out more about who we are and where we are going as a church. Again, thank you for checking out our sermon here at New Grace. Please let us know of any questions you may have or any way that we can help you and your family. Enjoy the message. How many of y'all, if you're honest by a show of hands, how many of you are completely satisfied in your relationship with God the Father? Okay, we got two. (laughs) Suckers, that was a trick question. You shouldn't be. None of us should be. Until you see Jesus face to face, you should constantly be striving to draw closer to God. And there are a lot of days that I look at my walk with God, that I look at my Christian life, and I think I'm nowhere close to where I want to be. I'm nowhere close where I want to be with God the Father. Anyone else have that feeling sometimes where you just look at your life, you look at your walk with God, and you think, man, I just, I just, I'm not where I want to be with God. I'm not reading my Bible like I wish I could, or I'm not getting out of my Bible what I wish I did, and when I pray, it just doesn't seem like anything's happening. And I see areas in my life that are weaknesses in my life that I struggle with. I, I see areas that I struggle in, and if I'm not careful, I can get very discouraged. I can, instead of looking at where I've come from, because no matter how my life is now and the things I struggle with now, I am nowhere near what I used to be. I've come a long way. Now, you know, that song that I despise, A Sinner Saved by Grace, you know, if you could see where I once was, if you could go with me back to where I started from, you wouldn't be here. And I know that. I know that where I came from and where I am is an incredible journey. But if I'm not careful, I stop looking at where I came from and I start looking at where I want to be, I can get discouraged because I'm not where I want to be because I still have areas of weakness, because I still have areas that I struggle with. But there's a verse in Scripture that encourages me when I have times like that. It's Philippians 1.6. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That word perform means finish. So what that verse tells me is the, what God has been doing in my life was not started by me. It was started by God. And God will not stop working on me until he's done, and that day will be when I see Jesus face to face. That means God's not done with any of us yet. None of us are where we want to be or should be, but God's not finished working on us. God's continuing. God's not finished with me, and God's not finished with you. That means I am a work in progress that God works on me and in me, and he will continue to do that until he's finished. And one way that God is at work in in my life and at work in your life, completing what he started when we accepted him as his Savior, one way that God works in our lives is through the prayers of, of other believers. 
In Ephesians, the Apostle Paul is teaching the believers at Ephesus how to pray for other believers. Now, of course, we're not to only pray just for other believers. We're supposed to pray for lost ones. We're supposed to pray for for government officials. There's a lot of areas that we are commanded to pray for. But Paul is telling us, hey, when you do pray for other believers, and we should, and we should pray more than just, Lord, bless so-and-so, or like we talked about last week, pulling out those junk drawer prayers. Lord, give them traveling mercies, whatever they are. Lord, put a hedge of protection around them, whatever that's going to do. You know, we pray these little kind of general prayers. Instead of just praying, oh, Lord, bless so-and-so, we should, God's invited us into praying for them as God works in their life. And so Paul is teaching us how to be more effective when praying for other brothers and sisters in Christ. And a lot of what God is doing in the life of his children is in response to the prayers of other believers for them. So that means there are things in my life, there are things in your life that will not be accomplished apart from other believers standing in the gap for us and praying to God the Father for you and me. There are areas of growth that we won't achieve. There are victories that we won't experience, that that we need to experience, that will not happen without other believers praying to God the Father on our behalf. So God is inviting us to join in his activity in the lives of other believers through prayer. And that's what Paul's been teaching us. Now, most of our prayers are focused on us, and that's fine. We are to pray for ourselves. God, God's invited us to come boldly before his throne and cast our care upon him. So there's nothing wrong with going to God the Father and saying, God, I have a problem. God, I have a struggle. You know, I hope when you have a struggle, because you know your struggles better than anyone else. You know your weaknesses. You know where you're tempted and where you're not. We all put on a good show here. I know that. Maybe your spouse has some idea, but most of us, you know your deepest, darkest struggles. And I hope you go to God on behalf of your own struggles. Of course, we go to God on behalf of our problems. Lord, I've got an issue. Lord, I've got a sickness. I've got an illness. I've got a, a financial problem. I've got, I've got this or that and other thing. So we go to God on our own behalf, and there's nothing wrong with that. We're encouraged and commanded to go to God on, on behalf of ourselves, of our own desires, of our own problems. But God doesn't want us to limit our prayers to just ourselves. He's inviting us to pray for the other believers in our lives and their relationship with God. So God, here's what that means. God wants to help you grow other believers. God wants to use you to encourage other believers. God wants to help to use you to help other believers grow in their relationship with him through discipleship, through fellowship, and through praying for them. The problem is most of our prayers for others become vain repetition. They become those, Lord bless the missionary prayers. And we've all prayed. That's one thing, that's one reason I, I love the fact that Brother Daryl's on help with our missions program. Because, because of him and his bringing the missionaries to our attention and letting us know what's going on in their lives, our prayers for our missionaries can be more than just, Lord bless the pose. 
We can pray specifically, God help Debbie as she's recovering from her surgery. Or Lord, be with the Smiths uh, as they struggle with the areas. I don't want to mention that because we're on the internet. Lord, be with these people here. Lord, you know, we can pray specifically, be with the Hudaks in and, and, and Spain. And, and we have these issues that we know about and we can do more than just a, Lord bless the Hudaks. Lord bless the Pose. We can be more effective in our praying for them. And so Paul is teaching us how to be more effective in our prayers for each other. So let's start reading Ephesians chapter 1, starting verse number 15. <clears throat> he says, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Now that verse always strikes me because Paul has a lot going on in his life. Paul is pretty busy for a first century believer. He's, he's teaching, he's preaching, he's traveling around the, the known world, starting churches, he's, de- he's dealing with persecution, he's dealing with false prophets, and he's dealing with false accusations, and he's being stoned, and he's being thrown in prison, and Paul has a lot going on. He's, he's dealing with abandonment, he's dealing with sickness in his own life, and so Paul's got a lot going on, but he says, since I heard about you, how, how you're growing in God, I have not stopped praying for you. Yeah, I've got a lot going on in my life, but since I heard about your growth with the Lord Jesus, I've not stopped praying for the believers at Ephesus. That tells me Paul's prayers, his prayer life, wasn't dominated by his own needs. He had a lot of needs, but his greatest desire was to go to the Lord about other people. He was motivated to pray for other believers and their walk with God. Let's finish up in verse 17. He says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. We, we looked at this verse last week and we said that there were two areas or two reminders that Paul gives us in, this, in verse 17 that we're supposed to remember as we pray for other believers. And the first one that we said was Paul taught, was teaching us we are supposed to remember who we are praying to. You know, we said last week, we've all heard that phrase, the, there's power in prayer, but there's not. There's power in the one we pray to. There's power in the, the Father we pray to. And Paul's saying, when we pray, don't forget who we are praying to. God has all the power. So we are praying to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are praying to the Father of glory. And because of our position in Christ through his death, burial, and resurrection, we have access to the throne room of God. We can walk right into the presence of God and lay our burdens down before him. So there is no, so that Paul's telling us there is nothing too big for God and there's nothing too insignificant for God. There's nothing you can go to God about and God's going to say, really, I've got so much going on keeping the universe together. I'm trying to keep South Korea from bombing everybody or North Korea from bombing everybody, and you're coming to me about that. I've got bigger issues. There's no insignificant issue with God. God says any issue you have, no matter how big it is or how small it is, God says, you can come before me and you can lay it at my feet. R.A. Torrey says this, says, if we only realize the fullness of God's grace that is ours for the asking, its height and depth and length and breadth, I am sure that we would spend more time in prayer.
If we would just realize that because of Jesus, we are invited into the presence of God and we are invited to tap into all the resources of God through prayer. If we would understand that, then prayer wouldn't be our last resort so often. Prayer would be our top priority. But too often, prayer is our last resort. Well, I've tried everything else. Maybe I should pray about it. I've gone to all the doctors. I've done all the work. I've, I've studied all I can. I've done everything I know to do. So I guess now it's time to see if God can help. If we realized the power of God, we would never go to God as a last resort. He'd be the first one we ran to. If we realized all that we have access through prayer because of our position in Christ, we would be quick to pray. So this evening, as we finish up this verse, I want to look at the second reminder that Paul gives. Remember, the first one is, remember who you pray to. Here's the second reminder that Paul gives us to remember as we pray for other believers. Remember the purpose for which we pray. The purpose for which we pray. In these verses, Paul tells us the greatest thing that we can pray for another believer. Again, look at verse 17. What's the first word in verse 17? That. Man, I got to tell you all, every time I say something, ask a question, don't answer, that means I want you to answer. What's the first word in verse 17? That. You know what that means? Because of. That means because of. So Paul just got done saying, of course, in verses 1 through 14, he just got done saying who we are in Christ. But then in the previous verses, he just got done saying that he, he didn't stop making mention of the Ephesus believers to God and prayer that he was constantly praying. And then he said that. In the Greek, it literally means here is the reason why. So Paul's saying, I don't, since I heard about your faith in Christ, since I heard about your relationship with God, I haven't stopped praying for you. And here is what I am praying. That the spirit of wisdom, that God would give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge in him. Here's what Paul's praying. He is praying that God would allow the believers at Ephesus to know God intimately. Now, they were believers, so they already knew God as their father. They'd been born again into a relationship with God, and he's their heavenly father, and they know that they're going to spend eternity with him. The problem is a lot of believers stop right there in their relationship with God, in their fellowship with God. That's all they know. They know enough that they were sinners, condemned to hell, deserving of hell. God sent his son to live a perfect, sinless life. He died on the cross in their place, shed his blood for them, was buried in the tomb, and rose three days again to redeem them. And if they put their faith and trust in his finished work on the cross, then they can have a, a relationship with God the Father and at home in eternity. And that's what they know, and that's all they know. And that's not an intimate knowledge. That's not going to help you grow in your relationship with God. That is a basic knowledge of God. They know that they're Christians, but that's it. And all of that, they, knowing that Jesus died for their sins and rose again, they put their faith in him and have a home in heaven, all that is found in one verse of Scripture. John 3.16, we all know it, let's quote it. You couldn't quote Psalms 145 this morning, let's quote John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the whole gospel. You were condemned to hell? 
God loved you so much, he sent his son. If you put your faith in his work and his work alone, you have a home in heaven with God when you die. That's it. That's, that's all found in one verse. And many Christians know all about God from one verse. That they're a sinner, that they're saved by Jesus, and they're going to heaven when they die. The problem is, there are 31,101 other verses in the Bible that God has given us to know about him, to learn about him, to grow close to him, to have an intimate knowledge of God. So why do we need to pray for other believers? Because some believers only have a basic knowledge of God and they're not growing in intimacy with the Father. Some believers only have, a, have knowledge of the Bible. I don't, there's a lot of believers I know about this. They, they love to study the Bible, the little facts and you know, interesting things. And you know, they, they want to know about dinosaurs in the Bible. Were dinosaurs in the Bible? Yeah. Well, did they talk? Yeah, Adam wrote a T-Rex. I talked to him every night. So, you know, they talk about these things and, oh, what about this little tidbit of information? Where is the Tower of Babel? How tall do they get? And they, they want to know all the, the interesting things of the Bible. And that's wonderful. I love discussing the Bible. I love debating the Bible. I like debating whether Adam did write a dinosaur that talked to him. I, don't, I believe animals talked because when the snake talked, he wasn't shocked. I mean, think about it. If you're used to living in a world where animals don't talk and a snake talks to you, the first thing you're not going to say, oh, well, you know, God didn't really say that. You're going to be like, I'm sorry, did the snake just talk to me? So Eve wasn't shocked that the snake talked, so I think animals talked. I can't prove it, but it's fun to talk about. It's fun to freak people out as you talk about animals talking. Or you really want to mess with people talk about that race before Adam. <sighs> Blows their mind. We're not getting into that. That's too much to get into. But there are people that love talking about these things and debating these things, and, and they know the Bible. They have a knowledge of the Bible, but if all I want to know about the Bible, all if I want to know is information in the Bible, instead of knowing the one who gave the Bible, I'm missing the point of the Bible. The Bible wasn't given to me to learn information. The Bible was given for me to learn about God. For me to know about it wasn't given for me to know how deep the Red Sea was when Moses crossed over. It was given for me to know that there was a God in heaven that loved him enough and was powerful enough to part the Red Sea so they could walk over. It's to know the one who gave us the word of God. And some, they have a knowledge of the Bible. Some people have a knowledge about God. They know him as their savior, but most of their knowledge is theological. And there's a big difference between knowing about somebody and actually knowing someone. You know, I know a lot about Tony Bennett, the national championship winning coach of UVA basketball. Go Hoos. I've read articles about him. I've watched interviews with him. I've seen press conferences. I know a lot about Tony Bennett. But if I saw Tony Bennett across a crowded room and said, hey, Tony, he would have no idea who I was. He wouldn't know me from Adam because I know about him, but I don't know him. I'd like to. I really would. So if anyone can get this message to Tony, I want to meet you, Tony. You know, April, this is off the topic, but April, you know, she cleans houses on the side some, and uh, she was cleaning this one lady's house, and her husband, who's a UVA fan, wonderful guy, he had a, a signed national championship basketball from Tony Bennett, and I told her, steal it. She's like, well, they'll know I did it, so you don't got to go back there. Just take it. If you need, you need an alibi, I'll come by and take some TVs, too, and we blame it on somebody else, you know. We'll do it, but just take the basketball. But I don't know. I know about Tony Bennett, but I don't know Tony Bennett. And that's, 
That's how a lot of believers are with God. They know him as their savior. They know a lot about him theologically, but they don't know him intimately. J.I. Packer said this. He said, our aim in studying the Godhead must be to know God himself better. Our concern must be, be to enlarge our acquaintance, not simply with doctrine of God's attributes, but with the living God whose attributes they are. We must seek in studying God to be led to God. See, the goal is not Bible knowledge. The goal is not theological knowledge. The goal is intimate knowledge with God the Father. So Paul's not praying that they have a basic understanding of their faith. He's not praying that they would know more about the Bible, that they would know more about God. He is praying for them to have intimacy with God the Father. In that verse, verse 17, the God of our Father, Lord Jesus Christ, the glory may give unto them the spirit of wisdom and the revelation of the knowledge. That word knowledge there is the Greek word epignesis. It comes from, I'm going somewhere, it comes from the Greek word epignosko. Now, I don't know, you know, we've probably never heard epignesis, but we've, we've all heard gnosko. Gnosko is the Greek word for an intimate relationship between a husband and a wife. It's an intimate knowledge. And so this Greek word knowledge comes from the, the root word epignosko. It speaks of relationship. It talks about an intimate relationship between two people. And so Paul is praying that these believers at Ephesus would know God intimately. The most important thing in the life of the believer is to grow in their intimacy with God. You know, I can lead someone, if I can lead someone to experience true intimacy with God, true fellowship with the Father that I can change every aspect of their life. Because intimacy with God and relationship with God and fellowship with God changes who you are. Whenever you encounter the presence of God, the fellowship with God changes you. You know, in John 17, Jesus said this. He goes, and this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and the Jesus Christ who thou hast sent. See, eternal life, most of us think that eternal life is going to heaven when we die. But going to heaven is, is taking intimate fellowship with the Father to a new level. So, see, Jesus says eternal life isn't just going to a certain place when you die. Eternal life is knowing the one you're going to spend eternity with. You know, there's a lot of things we have ideas about heaven. You know, i got a mansion over the hilltop. No, you don't. But we're not going to get into that. You know, heaven's got gates of pearls. No, it doesn't. The new one does, but this one doesn't. Pearl has got walls of jasper. Not yet. So there's these all, all it's got streets of gold. And you know, I've heard people talk about when they get to heaven, oh, when I get to heaven, I'm going to go find my granddad and we're going to sit down by the Crystal River and we're going to fish for a million years. No, you're not. You know, what makes heaven heaven isn't the stuff that's there, it's the one you get to spend eternity with. It's people like, oh, what, am I gonna, what are you going to do when you get to heaven? I'm going to sit at the feet of Jesus for how long? Ever. That's, that's what heaven's about. It is being with God the Father. It is being with your Savior. And that is an intimate, personal, that's what eternal life is. Eternal life isn't a destination, it's a relationship. And so what, what heaven is, is taking the intimate, the fellowship, the relationship we have now by faith and making it by sight. We walk with God by faith now. 
But we get to heaven, we get to walk with God by sight. We, we love God by faith now. But we get to heaven, we get to love God by sight. We are not invited into a religion. We are invited into an intimate love relationship. And when we really get to know God, that changes everything in our lives. Everything Jesus wants to do in and through you will happen through your fellowship with God the Father. And so the greatest thing that we can pray for another believer is that they grow in their intimate knowledge of God. Now, there are two specific ways that we, can, that we should pray for other believers as we pray for them to grow in the knowledge of God. Here's the first one. Pray for them to practically apply the knowledge of God. So what's that look like? It looks like we pray, well, God, give them the wisdom to know how to apply their relationship with you to every area of their life. That's, that's what Paul is praying for the believers at Ephesus. The spirit he talks about is the Holy Spirit of God. And he is inviting the Holy Spirit of God to work in another believer's life to give them wisdom about knowing who God is. When wisdom means to apply divine knowledge. So how do I apply to my everyday life what I know about God through my relationship with him? And so that's what Paul's praying, saying, God, help them to grow in their their knowledge of you and their intimacy with you. But God, help them as they draw closer to you to apply what you're doing in their lives to to their marriages, to how they rear their children, to how they interact with community, to how they act at work. Because what he's asking is for their relationship with God to be real and be seen. Because that's what true relationship with God is. So he's praying for them to give wisdom. So wisdom means to apply God's knowledge. So Paul is praying that we would live every moment of our life in fellowship with God. And we would allow that fellowship and relationship with God to change every aspect of our life. You know, most of the time... Most of us, we have God that we kind of put him in a God box. And we have our God box. And Sunday morning, we'll get up and we'll take out our God box. And we'll get dressed for church. We'll read our Bible if we're a good Christian before we even get here. We'll come to Sunday school. We'll keep our God box with us. We'll go home after Sunday morning service. We'll keep our God box out because it's still Sunday. We'll come back on Sunday night with our God box. And then we'll go home and we'll, we'll put our God box on a shelf. If we're good Christians, Monday morning we'll get out, we'll take that God box out, we'll read our Bible, we'll pray, we'll spend time with God. But then before we go to work, what do we do? We put that God box back. We go to work, come home. Tuesday morning, again, if we're good, we'll get that God box out, we'll spend time with God, we'll read our Bible, we'll pray. But then before we do anything else, we put that God box back on the shelf where it belongs because that's what I deal with God. And what Paul is praying here is that, that God, we wouldn't put God in a box, but we would be in the box with God. That every day we would have an intimate fellowship with God that changed every aspect of our day. We live most of our life apart from regular fellowship with God. And because of Jesus, because of his death, burial, and resurrection, because the Holy Spirit lives and abides in me as a believer, because of that, I have 24-7, 365 access to God the Father. And Paul is praying that we have wisdom 
to live our lives in constant fellowship with God. You know, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, he goes, he says, pray without ceasing. That doesn't mean that we go home and get on our knees and we pray for 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and we continue in prayer all of our life. He is meaning that I am to live my life in constant conversation with the Father. And here's the thing. Prayer is a conversation. But a conversation is two-sided. You talk, and then someone else responds. So talk, conversating, conversation is talking and listening. Most of our prayers are just talking. We talk to God, talk to God, talk to God, talk to God, amen, and we're gone. And God's in heaven going, but don't I get to respond? And so praying without ceasing is living in that constant relationship and constant conversation with God. Talking to God and listening to God. Laying what is on my heart on His and allowing Him to lay what is on His heart on my heart. It is conversation and we are to live in constant conversation with God. And we can do that Every moment of our life, we don't have to get on. You don't have to get on your knees and close your eyes to pray to God. You can pray to God while you're driving on the road. Please do it with your eyes open. But you can pray to God while you're driving. You can pray to God while you're working. You can pray to God while you're doing chores around the house. You can pray to God while you're while you're in school learning. You can talk to God all the time. And Paul is saying we should constantly be talking to God the Father. So if every action, if every conversation, if every interaction was born out of my fellowship and my intimacy with God, how would they change? So pray for them to practically apply their knowledge of God, but then also <clears throat> pray for them to daily pursue the knowledge of God. He says that he prays for the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation. What do I mean by that? Look at Romans chapter 11, verse 33. He says, Oh, the depth and the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Paul is speaking about a knowledge of God that he is talking of it as if it's an endless treasure. Because of Jesus we are invited to dive deep into the treasures of God. Here's the thing. While you're on earth, you're never going to learn everything you can about God. But we should keep trying. We should keep diving deep. We should keep finding out how much God loves us and how much God does for us and how gracious he is and how wonderful he is. And we should dive deep into the truth and the treasures of God. We will never grow in the knowledge of God without God making himself known to us, however. God reveals himself to us through the Bible. The word revelation in Ephesians 1.17 means to uncover, to make something no longer hidden. So Paul is praying that these believers would take time on a daily basis to be alone with God, and that as they spent time with God, that the Spirit of God would uncover treasures in His Word and show them who He really is. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. You know, Jesus, when he was on earth, he said that the, the, Spirit's, the Holy Spirit's mission, the Holy Spirit's job was to show us truth in the Word of God. Look, if you read the Bible on your own, 
I'll be honest, with no power help from God. That's why it's so hard for non-believers to understand the Bible. Because, let's be honest, it's kind of confusing sometimes. You get to seven chapters of begatting people. And look, I've asked the Holy Spirit to reveal to me what that's all about, and he hadn't yet. I know there's something good in there, but I ain't seen it. But so, I mean, it's, I, but as a non-believer reading these things, you're like, this just this doesn't make sense. But as the Holy Spirit speaks to our heart as we read the Word of God, it shows us truth about God the Father. He reveals divine truth about God to us. And so we are to pray that these believers, that other believers would take time to daily dive into the Word of God and learn about God and then grow in their intimacy with God and pursue their relationship with God. Clyde Cranford said this. He says, For centuries, those who have truly sought to know God intimately have found it imperative to set aside some time in each day to focus their attention and affection on Him. As we spend devotional time in the Word and in prayer, God is pleased to commune with us and to reveal more of who He is little by little. There is no substitute in the life of the believer for time spent alone with God every single day. You're, you will not get enough on Sunday. I don't care how good the sermon is. I don't care how good the preacher is. I don't care who it is that comes in here and they can preach the most powerful sermon ever and show you great truths and more to God and then we can say, man, that was awesome. But unless we spend time alone with God every single day, Day, we're never going to grow in our intimacy with him. That's why Jesus said he, he's the bread of life. That's why when he prays to give us his day, our daily bread. You don't eat once a week. So why do we feed spiritually once a week? You will never grow unless you're spending time with God every day. And so Paul is praying that the believers take what they know about God and apply it to the daily life and spend time with God every single day so that God will make himself more known to them through the Holy Spirit. That's how we pray for other believers. God, help them not just to know you, but God, help them to have a craving and a hunger and a desire to learn about you. That's what I want to pray for y'all. That's what I hope you pray for me. Because look, I'm not immune to this stuff. I was talking to some guy several couple weeks ago. He's like, I just don't, I don't feel like walking with God right now. I, I don't want, I won't, here's what he said, I want to want to walk with God, but I don't. Like, I, I've been there. I've been where I said, God, I just, I don't feel like I, I want to walk with you. I want to want to walk with you, but I don't want to walk with you right now. I want to want to pray, but I just don't want to pray now. I wish I did want to pray, but I don't. I know I should, but I don't feel like it. And here's the thing. The Apostle Paul struggled with that as well. So Paul said, the things I know I should do, I don't do. The things I know I shouldn't do, that's what I struggle with. He goes, every, I, I don't do what I know I should do, and I do the things that I know I shouldn't do, and I struggle in my walk with God, and we all do. So as we pray for other believers, pray for them to grow in their relationship and their intimacy and their walk with God. Pray that for me and we pray that for each other. Your prayers for other believers are very important. 
God invites us into, to be a part of his working in the lives of other believers. And God wants us to pray for them that they would know God intimately and allow their, his fellowship with them to change them. He wants us to pray for God to reveal himself to them every day through his word and show them powerful truth about himself through his word. I want that prayed for me. And I hope you would want it prayed for you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father.